Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. While you are still seated, why don't you just lift your hands toward heaven? If you have your Bibles, I want you to lift that Bible up in your hand. I want you to give thanks to God for His Word. Why? Because the Bible says that's the lamp unto your feet. It's the light unto your path. It's the medicine to all of your flesh. It'll bless you when you come in. It'll bless you when you go out. It'll bless you in the city. It'll bless you in the field. Whatever you put your hands to, because of what you'll learn from this word, it'll be blessed. The blessings of the Lord will come upon you, and the word says these blessings will overtake you. Goodness and mercy will then follow you. The Bible says all the days of your life, and the Bible says you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are promises from God. And the Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises as men count slackness. Whatever God says, when it's a yea, it's a yea. If it's a nay, then it's a nay. But none of God's words will fall to the ground. So thank God for his word this morning. Amen. Amen. We're going to do a brief announcement. Sister Whitney wants to uh, work with our children this morning in the way of uh, uh, children's uh, music ministry for some upcoming events for us in uh, Rainbow Family Christian Center. And so she's going to give you a brief announcement and we're going to get right into the word. Thank you. So we have five Sundays this month and usually on fifth Sundays we dedicate that to the children. Um, So this fifth Sunday, we're going to um, have the children singing. Sorry. We're going to have the children sing. They're going to be ushers. They're going to be the greeters. They're going to do the announcements. Maybe preach. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) So um, this is today. Right now is only if your children are interested in singing. I did kind of pop into their classrooms last Sunday um, to let them know. So they should have kind of a inclination of what they want to do, but if specifically your child would like to sing right now, just for a couple minutes, we're going to meet in the academy side uh, in the room over there, and we're going to teach them a couple of songs. So if your children are interested in singing, if you can just, all the kids, just line up against this wall, and then I'll go ahead and grab you from there. So if you are interested, kids, please stand up and go over to the wall, (laughs) and I'll just take you for a little bit, okay? Thank you. Fifth Sunday, so put a bug in your children's ear. If they want to usher, if they want to do announcements, if they want to be a greeter, (laughs) um, just anything that you kind of see that we do here on a Sunday, we would love to have them. So we're going to have a sign-up list as well at the end of the service Why don't you give the children a hand clap as they go and they prepare. Amen. God says this is what it's about when you're training up a child in the way that they should go. The Bible says when they're old, they will not depart from it. How we look into the news and wish so many kids would have been trained in the things of God and not so much in the things of this world. The Bible says God is trying to get us to be transformed. He says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
Don't be conformed, he says, to it. Be ye transformed. And the Bible says it comes through a renewal of our minds. See, sometimes we don't know that God has given us the voices to be used for his glory, to his honor, to his praise. And we give our voices to other things. We give our gifts and our talents to other things, lesser things. It's a sermon that I love to preach from time to time, and I generally preach it when I'm on the road. In pursuit of lesser things. Too many people are in pursuit, and sometimes we have gotten our children in pursuit of lesser things. We don't help them to pursue God. And the Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that every one of us, adult and children, should be seeking what? First, the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And then all other things, he said, he'll add it. And a lot of times when you are pursuing God, what you thought you wanted, you don't really want anymore. What you thought you needed, you realize, I don't need that anymore. Our greatest need is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. I always like to say it like this and how the Lord revealed it to me one morning in prayer. There is only one fundamental problem in the entire world, and that is separation from God. Think about it. Only one fundamental problem. If everybody was connected to God, truly having a relationship with God, you wouldn't have all of the world woes that we go through. But there is only one fundamental solution, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. This is a book that is written by a man named Solomon. Solomon was deemed the wisest man. God called him that. Why did God deem him to be wise? Because when given opportunity to ask God for anything, absolutely anything, Solomon only asked for the wisdom of God. He didn't ask for the mega million. He didn't ask for a lot of things that other people would have likely asked for. He says, God, I recognize that you've put me in a position to be a ruler over people, but I don't know how to do it. Don't you wish that our congressmen and our senators would ask for some of that too? Yes. All of the foolishness that we've been through for the last few days, and even to this point, something that we would have to deem as temporary until mid-November. But if they were this, lean not. The Bible says we're not to lean to our own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. Just acknowledge God. And in that moment, Solomon was acknowledging God. You're the king. You're in authority. You know all things. I'm limited, but I serve an unlimited God. And if this unlimited God will just give me some wisdom, then the job, the responsibility that I have, I'll be able to do it. How many of you know you can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthens you. So in Ecclesiastes now, he says, read with me, please. God makes everything happen at the right time. Read it again with me, because you were looking at me, not reading with me. Well, let's say it together. God makes everything happen 
at the right time. Now, I don't want to read the rest of it right now. God makes everything happen at the right time. You know what I want to try to imply to you this morning? Stop trying to rush God. Try, stop trying to make things happen on your timeline. Lean not, the Bible tells us, to our own understanding. It says to all of us, allow God, acknowledge God in all your ways, and then what? He will direct your path. Have you ever seen your children emulating you, imitating you about driving? Even when they were little, they wanted to get up under the steering wheel, right? And you can kind of watch them, as, even if you would just sit them in your lap for a moment, and you realize it's a good thing you are not driving because you'll be all over the place. And all of us who drive know that's not how it's done. And if you'll just wait on God, God will show you and help you to mature. Now, here's the other thing I'd like to, you, you to understand. For those of you who have walked with Christ for a while, don't condemn people who have not yet gotten where you are. Sometimes we, 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 we come across as if everybody ought to be where you are. I don't know if you've read your Bible long enough to realize there's something called progression. There's something called growth. Yeah, did, did you know that your children just didn't come out the womb walking? Well, some of you wish they would have. Because you were carrying them everywhere, picking them up all of the time. But they had to learn generally to what? Start just pushing. They don't even crawl, just be rocking. Some of them go backwards instead of forward. Like, okay, baby, come on forward. They start pushing and, they, and you realize your child is going backwards. And then all of a sudden, they start crawling. And then, and then the next phase, they start pulling up on stuff. And you go, oh, Lord, I got to get them out of the bassinet now and get them over into a crib. I got to get them out of a crib and they'll go into a bed. Because they're progressively growing. Yeah. You don't start walking all at one time. You crawl a little bit. And even when they start walking, sometimes you try to slow them down because why? They go too fast. And you know what's going to happen. They're going to tumble. God is trying to show us in his word, and I'm just going to go through some things with you this morning to help you to see, you know, Sometimes God has you in his waiting room for a purpose. Those of you who are now getting savvy with this uh, uh, application called Zoom, you know that if you open up a Zoom, um, there are people who come on and you have them sitting in what? A waiting room until it's time to do your presentation or to have that conversation with those that you have invited to that particular forum. And sometimes it may feel like God's got you in a waiting room. And the truth of the matter, sometimes he does. How many of you know the Bible says God will show you a thing from the end before the beginning? You have to keep that in mind when you're working with God and God's working in your life. Sometimes he'll show you and say, Lord, you showed me this. You, you said this was going to happen in my life. And he says, yeah, it's going to happen in time. In 
God makes everything happen at the right time. At the right time. My father was a farmer. Many of you already know that. I talk about it quite a bit. Our particular crop, our cash crop was peaches. You've heard me say, I hate peaches. Don't give me peach. I don't want no peach pie, peach cake, whatever, peach, peach drink. It's just me, because I worked in them so much. But one thing that my father would do, he would not pick a peach before it's time. There was a time when there was a particular chemical being sold to farmers, and this chemical, when applied to the fruit, would cause the fruit to look ripe and ready. How many of you have ever gone to the market and bought a piece of fruit that looked fresh, I mean, just ripe, and then you get it and you say, this thing is green. They didn't give it time on the vine or on the branch to actually ripen. And that's what God wants you to know. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I want to produce fruit from you. And the Bible even says from Galatians, good fruit, lasting fruit, fruit that is going to remain. But God makes everything happen at the right time. Amen. When you will put this chemical aloe on it, I mean, these peaches would just be so red within a matter of weeks. And my father was going, that's not right. Amen. These peaches were green. I walked my orchards and they were green. I will not do this. Now, farmers did it. A lot of farmers did it. And I want to imply this. Just because you see other people doing stuff, don't make it right. Say integrity. Say it again, integrity. God wants you to be a man or woman of faith, but he also needs you to be a man or woman of what? Integrity. And let God do, do, do what he does in his time. This is one of the things that you have to learn when you become a pastor, that everybody's not at the same level, but give them some time. Amen. Those of you who have more than one child, your parents, you come quickly to realize that your children can't do the same thing. The older ones, you probably have more expectations for their lives. You give them more, as it were, responsibility. Yeah. But you love all of them. Yeah. Though one you're carrying, one is walking beside you and pulling at your, your, your leg, you love them the same. The child that's pulling at your leg may look up at you and say, why don't you carry me? And you're trying to share with them at that moment in time, you can walk. I need you to walk. I was at an intersection the other day down in Silver Spring, and there was a gentleman quite rudely saying to his wife, hurry up. They were crossing the crosswalk, and you know, the light has changed. It's green now, and they're in the crosswalk. And he started saying to his wife, hurry up. Well, here's the problem. She's pushing the baby carriage with the baby, 
And she has a bag in one other in the other hand, and all he's doing is walking across, bebopping, talking about hurry up. You can see that picture, can't you? And every now and then, in the body of Christ, some of us we we might want to reach back and give a hand. You know this expression. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Some of us spend no time in showing people that we care about them. We spend a lot of time talking about what we know. Jesus just didn't do that. He knew everything. But he spent a lot of time letting people know, I care. When other people were dismissing people, Jesus would never dismiss them. When other people were saying they should be ostracized because, you know, they're lepers, of course, and Jesus just went right up to them. The woman with, uh, uh, that came to the well, no Jew at that time would be caught in the day, at least, talking to this woman who had already had five husbands. And the one that she was living with was not her husband. They just wouldn't be, but there was Jesus. I always say this, if you will read that parable about Jesus, he was with all of the disciples at the time. And I always say, how many disciples did it take to go get some bread? Do you realize they all said, we got to go get bread? And Prody, how many people does it take to go get a loaf of bread? Twelve? <laughs> Everybody left Jesus. Even when Mary was washing Jesus' feet, you remember that? She had taken the most precious gift that she owned, which was this oil, and she began to wash the feet of Jesus, dry his feet with her hair. And some who were observing said, hmm, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't be having a rolling up on him like that. I'm paraphrasing here. But sometimes, folks, we can judge people, and we can unknowingly start aggrandizing ourselves. This is why even I don't apologize for the length of worship this morning because this is all about Jesus. Amen. This is all about Jesus. The Bible says you and I have to what? Decrease so that he might what? Increase. It's got to be more and more in your life about Jesus. Less and less about you. And God wants you to get to the stage in your life where you just allow him to Develop you, mature you in his time. We can say it like this, where Jesus said it, not my will, but your will. Not my time, but in your time. Why? Because God makes everything happen at the right time. Yet, none of us can ever fully understand all he has done. And he puts questions in our minds about the past and about the future. God wants you to be able to inquire in his temple. 
You should want to know more about Jesus. How much do you want to know about Jesus? Here's what I always try to let people know. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. How much do you want? We were in Florida just recently, Miss Pat and I, and we were at a fellowship with friends on Sunday evening after church service was, was done with, and we'd all pooled together and just had a kind of a buffet type of amount of food. And there were children in our midst, a set of triplets, another little boy, so I think it's just the four of them, and the children, all this food that we had, the children didn't want to eat. Hey, parents, you ever know, you ever have that happen? You, you had all of this wonderful, beautiful, healthy, prepared food, and the children are talking about, I don't want any. I'm not hungry. Can we go to McDonald's? <laughs> Be patient. Some of you are getting impatient because, like, what's this got to do with Jesus? I'm getting there. So they didn't want to eat any of this wonderful, beautiful, healthy food. But we had also bought something called dessert. One was chocolate. One was a vanilla chocolate combination. And all of a sudden, as perky and as big eyes as they could be, every kid that was there said, I want some. The smallest one, I believe, was three years old. Now, the triplets is two boys and a little girl. Her name is Sasha. And I said to Sasha, why don't you cut the cake? And I said, just give everybody a small slice. Do you know small in Sasha's mind was not what I call small? When Sasha started to cut the cake, I mean, we're talking about hunks of cake. And I said, oh, Sasha, that's too much. And her little brother said, oh, no. I can eat it. The other brother said, I want one, but a little bit more. And the three-year-old, he was looking. I mean, when Sasha finished a cake, it was just four slices out of it. He said, Pastor, you should have controlled that. Well, y'all have to forgive me. I repent. But I let Sasha cut the cake, and the kids took those cake. But the little one is one that fascinated me. He didn't eat the cake with a fork or a spoon. And wow, he looked at us, mouth still full. Can I have another piece? <laughs> Say, I can, I can have, have as much, as much of, Jesus of Jesus as I want. As I want. How much do you want? See, so those kids were not hesitant about telling us how much cake they wanted. You should be daily like Solomon saying, I want it, Jesus. I want it. I want what you have for me. Let me give you things that I believe are stages of our faith. 
How many of you know the Bible says you and I are supposed to walk by what? Faith, not by what? Sight. It is the only thing that you and I can present to God that pleases God. Is to take what he's given us, the measure of faith, and walk it out. Walk out your Christian journey in faith. Walk out your Christian journey, not leaning to your own understanding, not listening to what I call the, 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 um, the know-it-all people that call themselves our friend. How many of you got some know-it-all friends? They didn't know everything, and you figured out now that they don't know nothing. But they know everything. And you know that if you try to keep following people like this, the Bible says, how can the blind lead the blind? They will both end up where? In the ditch. So you've got to give yourself or avail yourself to this word because the interest of this word is what's going to give you light. How many of you turned on the light when you got up this morning? Some of you got up late. You didn't even need a light, huh? We, wherever darkness is, generally we're looking for light. I tend to have my cell phone nearby because if I get an emergency call, I want to be able to try to respond and answer. But generally when I get up in the morning, I don't want to wake Miss Pat up. So I know how to get to the flashlight on my phone. I mean, you got to use your flashlight on your phone. I just don't want to turn all of the, but that little flashlight, when it comes on, it lights up the whole room. I usually try to turn it down so it doesn't light up the whole room. When God's word starts to get in you, it'll light you up. Paul said it like this, and he prayed it. He said, you and I need to be enlightened in our inner man. There are things that we're in the dark about, but God doesn't want you to stay in the dark about it. And the interest of his word is what gives you that light that you need in your inner man. And then God wants you to start walking by faith. Oftentimes when you're making this journey of a faith journey, God gives you a dream. Anybody ever have a dream? You ever have a God dream? God generally starts off giving you a dream. God wants you to dream. When we look in the Bible, we see that God gave people dreams. How many remember Joseph? Didn't God start him off in his journey with a dream? Anybody remember Abraham? Didn't God start him off in his journey in a dream? Go to Genesis chapter 12 with me. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to go through this relatively quickly. I'm just going to give you six things that I believe will help you, and perhaps at the end you'll be able to pinpoint, where am I in my faith walk with God? Are you still in the dream stage? Here's what God says to Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I like to give that as our benediction most Sundays. I ask you to go out. I said, you've been blessed. Now go out and what? Be a blessing. This is where I'm referencing from. Because this is what type of dream God is giving to this man. 
He said, you're going to be great. Matter of fact, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, which means imply you shall be a blessing to other people. Say, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will be a blessing in the lives of others. Be a blessing. Don't be a problem. Don't be a thorn in the flesh. Be a blessing to people. That's the kind of dream that God wants to give his people. This is why when you are reading things in the Bible, when it says, he who would be first, let him be last. Because why? You are deferring and preferring someone else. You are decreasing and allowing God to increase. You know that God will bless you. But maybe the other person don't quite know yet that God will bless them. And so, therefore, you serve as the example. You serve as that object that they can watch, that person that they can watch and say, there is goodness in the land. There is good people. How many of you know there are good people that are in the land? I know the world will make you think that you can't go anywhere because everything is bad. Look, even when we stereotype sections or communities, I, I feel it's wrong for anybody to, you know, for instance, if I say Southeast Washington, D.C., all of you get a little thing in your head about Southeast. But you know what? Even if there was a bad person in Southeast, I guarantee you there are 10, 12 homes where there are people who get up just like you, get dressed, go to work, work hard, live good and righteous, but they get stereotyped sometimes by news and sometimes by us. Say, oh, that, look, White Oak is kind of categorized at times. I listen to the, the, the officials in Montgomery County. I listen to leadership. Oh, White Oak or Montgomery East. See, folks, don't get caught up in other people's stereotypes. It, it, it's kind of like, I, I'm going I'm to go a little racial on you here. There, there were times when they said, all oh, y'all look alike. Really? I, I'm coming from a position, guys. I was a, a kid who went to a school where I was the only person of color in it. And I hate it when somebody says, you are not like the others. What do you mean by that? Like the others? What others are you talking about? We, you, you don't stereotype people. Don't pick up on these little colloquialisms that people use to describe an ethnicity or a group of people. Get to know people for yourself. Get to know people for yourself. You shouldn't even listen to all the stuff you hear about me. You might want to get to know me. You just might want to sit down and have a conversation and get to know me. Because otherwise, you're living in the assumption area.
You're living in a speculative moment in your life. And the Bible doesn't want you to be assumptive about God. He wants you to know him. He doesn't want you to be assumptive about people. He wants you to get to know them. The Bible literally says it like this. Know those who labor among you. Know those who labor among you. And we're not just talking about knowing my age or knowing my race. What's my heart? What's in my heart? What's the dream that God has given us when it comes to rainbow? You get it a little bit in the, in the mission state to statement when it says, we're building a community bridge over the cultural divide. You get it, and sometimes when, if you fully understand the name of the church, rainbow, that God loves people, red, yellow, black, or white. They're all precious in his sight. But God is trying to get his people to see his people as precious in their sight. To recognize that diversity is a strength. It's not a weakness. You know what? If it were possible, medically possible, for all of us to peel back the first layer of our skin, the epidermis, then yeah, we all look alike. Having had military experience and knowing the importance of having a, a sufficient amount of blood in battle, because there are times when people get shot, they get wounded, and they need transfusions. I've never seen a person who said to me, what color was the person that the blood came from? Just give me the blood. I'm anemic. Give me the blood. How many of you know the blood of Jesus washes you? The blood of Jesus cleanses you. The blood of Jesus washes, the Bible says, whiter than snow. You're not looking for somebody's color. What you're looking for is, what did God put in my spirit? What am I dreaming? What did he tell me I could do? What did he show me that he would make of my life if I surrendered it all to him? That's your first step of faith. Trusting God that he will do what he says he will do in your life. Dreaming the dream. We admire Dr. Martin Luther King because he said, I had a dream. We put it in the present tense, didn't he? He said, I have a dream. I have a dream. And you, each one of us should have a dream every day. And that should be a dream that God is putting you. Look at verse 3 of this. I think it, it would do us good to look at the third verse as well. In the second verse, can you move it to the third verse? You read with me. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I know that God will do that for you today, too. He will bless those who bless you. He will curse those who curse you if you're living for him. That's why we know this. God is the one who will trouble your trouble. You don't have to worry about trying to retaliate. or uh, Do you know God says vengeance is what? Mine. There are times when people will be jacked up 
and will say some things and do something that are contrary to the will of God concerning your life. But God is basically saying, I will deal with them. You just keep dreaming the dream. You keep trusting in me and leaning not to your own understanding. That's your first step in moving in your faith, this, this measure of faith that God has given you. After you dream, here's the second thing I want you to write down. After God gives you the dream, decide. A decision has to be made. And then the decision is whether you're going to follow God or are you going to continue to just lean to your own understanding. The Bible says, to him who knoweth to do good and to do it not, then you are choosing to go into a sinful lifestyle. Everybody say, decide. decide. So you dream. Dreaming is the first step or the first phase of your walk with faith. A decision. Do you know that when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, God wanted you to be saved? But you had to decide. You had to make a decision. How many of you know that God doesn't make anybody get saved? There's no preacher that can make anybody get saved. There's no portion of the fivefold ministry that can make anybody get saved. It is a decision. It is a personal decision that you make. But if you make that decision, you will grow in your faith. You will grow in your faith. You will start from just like the baby rocking to perhaps now taking some strides in faith because you've decided Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life that I'm going to live. I got any people that are going to live for Jesus in here this morning? You're going to live for Jesus? I mean, you're you're truly going to live for Jesus. You're not going to be just a Sunday morning person. Come on, what what would happen if your child just went to school one day out of a week? Would they graduate? Let me hear. Do you think they're going to graduate? No. Now you flip the switch now, guys. Pastor's about to flip the switch on you. Do you think... Just giving God just that little bit. That, Pastor, can you do it in 30 minutes? I'd like to be out. I'd like to be at the buffet. Oh, Wednesday. I don't have time to do Bible study on Wednesday. We do, I don't know, what do you do on Wednesday? What do you do? Because I'm looking at some of your faces, and I know some of your names, but I know you're not in Bible study. The pastor shouldn't know all of that. Blame it on Zoom. Because when your number pops up, your name pops up with it. So I know you're there, and I know those that are not there. So I'm asking you, it's rhetorical. But what do you do? And if you had to stand before Jesus and said, I was doing what I was doing because I was glorifying you, would it be a lie or would it be truth? Because what you're doing is glorifying God. Keep doing it. But if it's not, 
you might want to change. And change is not change until you change. If you're going to grow, you got to get in the Word. Remember how God dealt with one of His servants who was stagnated, not going anywhere, not going forward. His name is Joshua in the Bible. And Joshua is at a place of stagnation in his journey. God has said, go to the promised land. And Joshua is saying, well, I was going when Moses was going. God, you know, I was following Moses. How I many of you know Moses did not make it into the promised land? He made it into heaven, but he did not make it into what God had for him on earth. And so Joshua is now at this place. My great leader has died. And we haven't made it into the promised land. And the Bible says God said to him, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. So a lot of times we put our hope in people and not our hope in God. I've said this on several occasions where I had to help my sister one time who just every conversation was about her bishop, 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 bishop. I said, girl, bishop ain't Jesus. Pastor ain't Jesus. Him or her or Mr. Mrs. whomever that we probably are having our conversations about, it ain't Jesus. As great as people can be, they die. And without the help of Jesus, they ain't going to get back up. But Jesus got back up. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And when the Father tells him to come, he will come at the blowing of a trumpet by an archangel and say to his church, come on. There's no man or woman on the face of the earth that can do that. Jesus is making intercession for you. When you don't pray for yourself, do you know Jesus is praying for you? When you don't pray for others, Jesus is praying. I wanted her to pray. I wanted him to pray. I wanted them to do this. But let me let you know this today. What you decide that you don't want to do and you ain't going to do, it will not limit God. Amen. Well, I'm going to do this because pastor didn't support me. You ain't doing nothing under pastor. The Bible says everything that you and I are supposed to do, we are to, do to, we are to have made a decision that we're going to do it what? Heartily as unto who? I'm going to go find me another church because pastor folks is going to be the same messed up mess with you at the other church because you are all about you and this is all about who? Jesus say Jesus, Jesus. say it again Jesus. Jesus do you understand why the Holy Ghost had us in kind of locked in a position this morning getting us to focus on who? Jesus all hell who? King Jesus. All glory, all honor goes to who? Jesus. Who's the author and the finisher of your faith? Jesus. Who are you purposing to please? Jesus. It should be Jesus. It should be Jesus. Everything should be about Jesus. He's your alpha. 
He's your omega. Everything begins with him. Everything should end with him. And a lot of times, we as a people get hooked on personalities, denominations, ethnicity, culture. But you might want to get your focus back on Jesus. Decide that you're going to follow Jesus. So when God gives you the dream, you can not say the dream that he gave me, I'm only going to apply it on just me, or I'm just going to apply it only on my culture. John 3.16, you all know it, don't you? Everything that God gives you is so that you can be like him. So that you're focused on this whole world. So after God gives you the dream, I felt like the second phase of your, your faith walk is to, that you make a decision that you're going to follow God. Here's the third thing I believe happens. Sometimes when you have the dream, you made a decision, there comes a, de a delay. Everybody say delay. delay. Say it again, delay. delay. Say it again, delay. delay. I don't care who you are. Everything that God has said to you and God has promised you doesn't come right away, but you need to believe it right away. The Bible says when you stand praying, believe that you what? Receive. We just read from Genesis 12 a promise that God made to Abraham, right? He says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. He also said to Abraham, you're going to have a child, right? And, and, and I'm guessing Abraham was probably saying, God, don't you know how old I am? God said, no problem. Well, do you know how old my wife is? No problem. How many of you remember the fact that when he told him this, it wasn't nine months later when the baby came? Anybody been reading your Bible? Was it nine months later and the baby came? But yet it was a promise from God, wasn't it? We have to go back to Ecclesiastic. God does everything in his time. Some of you are like Abraham. You know how Abraham said, I'm going to help God out. Sarah started saying, man, we got to help God. Abraham, we got to help God out. Maybe God didn't know how old I was. So therefore, you remember, she had a handmaiden, right? Her handmaiden was named what? Hagar. And she said, maybe we just need to get a surrogate. That word wasn't introduced in the Bible, but you know what a surrogate is, right? And Abraham didn't say, oh, hold up, Sarah, no, no. Abraham was probably looking at Hagar and saying, mm, okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Folks, you got to keep it real when you're reading the Bible. You have to ask yourself, what happened to Abraham who heard God, had a dream given to him from God, made a decision that, okay, God, we're going to do this, and somewhere along the journey, the faith journey that he's supposed to be on, he gets so twisted that now he's willing to lay with another woman and decide for himself and for Sarah that this is how we're going to help God out. This is how we're going to get the baby. No, God has never changed. Say, God is the same. God is the same. 
yesterday, today, and forevermore. Whatever the dream God gives you, God's going to tell you, look, trust me. Trust me. Don't start leaning to your own understanding on things that God has said will come to your life, in, in your life. Just trust him. Just trust him. This is a place where Abraham and Sarah both are not trusting God. They are leaning to their own understanding. They are saying, okay, a baby, but we don't have to help God out. We're not quite sure God knows what he's doing right now because it's been a while, you know, Abraham. Anybody know what the length of time was before they had a baby? Somebody said 12 nights. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. What? She said 25 years. Some said, I don't know. You don't know. Raise your hand. Say, I don't know. <laughs> Research it. Research it. Go to Genesis chapter 16. Go to Genesis chapter 16. Open your Bible. You were in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she said... And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now, we know what the, what, what the end result was. Hagar did give a child. She did become pregnant. And it's almost like Hagar became pregnant right away. But then a nine-month period, Hagar is pregnant, and Hagar is having a child. You know the child's name, Ishmael. Ishmael is not a bad name. A lot of you have made Ishmael like it was something satanic. Ishmael is a good name. If you look at the meaning of Ishmael, you'll be blessed by it. Here's what God said. Hagar, I'm not going to punish you for the sin of Abraham and Sarah. Do you understand that this was a servant trying to obey? Trying to comply? But what was requested of her? And God blessed Ishmael. He blessed Hagar. But he said to Abraham, Abraham, let's get back on the right track. This is not how I told you it was going to get done. And now you know what happens. Sarah is jealous. She is now treating Hagar really mean. This is a, a young lady who has served her. This is a young lady who has blessed her, and now she's being really mean. I think about that sometimes as a pastor. I said, look, there are people that you can help, you can help, you can help, you can help, and you can help. And sometimes they treat you so mean. Sometimes I watch my wife cry, and I say, oh. You know, your natural person comes up, but then you have to put that flesh under subjection. It's like, you know, why? How could they say that? How could they even imply that? I, I, I stopped going on Facebook. I stopped answering a whole lot of stuff. I really have to keep my spirit in a place where I can just stay focused on what God has called me to do. Because people can say some of the nastiest stuff about you. They said nasty stuff about Jesus too. You know that. But see, when God gives you the dream, 
and you have decided that you're going to follow God, you have to realize that every now and then that might be a delay because God showed you a thing from the end before the beginning. Say, I will, I will. walk it out. Say, I will walk it out. See, we love the 23rd Psalm, don't we? How many of you love the 23rd Psalm? I do. I, I love repeating it. I love reading it. But do you know in the Psalm it says, Yea, do I walk through? No, mine said the tulips. You know, it ain't always a bed of roses, don't you? This is why there was a man who was here. I'll call his name. His name is Larry Hutton. And Larry was here, and Larry was preaching on a sermon one Sunday that I had to just kind of at dinner sit down with Larry, and I said, Larry, I love you, but what you just preached, I'm going to have to go back and preach the truth to the people because you said to these people, my people, that after you get saved, life is just going to be a bed of roses. And that don't line up with the Bible. Now, you come to say, I come through. Say, I come through. But you might go through some difficulty. See, even after the delay, you might go through some difficulty. That would be the fourth thing in your walk with, with, with Christ. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a dream. It's a decision. It, 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 it is a delay. And every now and then, some difficulty. Anybody know what I mean when I say you went through some difficult days? Where you didn't know how it was going to work out, but God did what? Worked it out. Why? Because you didn't give up. You didn't let go of what he, go he gave you in a dream. And you realize in your wildest dream, you couldn't have made that happen. Look, even if we took time here and said to many of you, give a testimony about how God did something supernatural, something just out of the ordinary. I believe that the line would stretch from here to here to here because all of us probably have experienced something where we know it had to be the Lord. It had to be the Lord. My wife called me one day and, 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 and she said, honey, I've been in an accident. You know, the first thing you want to know, are you okay? Yeah. And when you, when you look at how things are twisted and tangled, and even when her brother was recently in an accident, and I looked at a truck that he was in, split in half. You, you know the box trucks, the bread trucks we call them, the food trucks, that's what it was, a food truck. Went out of control, went off the road, careened into trees, split the thing in half. But do you realize angels can just put their hand over you? The best man in our wedding, his name was Steve Samuel. Steve has gone on to be with the Lord. But Steve, we're all military people. And Steve was in, anybody, if I say Cobar Towers, do you know what I'm talking about? Cobar, Cobar Towers. This, this was, he was in Iraq. Let me just put it to you there. He was in Iraq. He was on a military compound. Someone came up with a large, large, large truck full of explosive. Cobar Towers came tumbling down. 
It's very similar to if you, those of you who were alive and can remember 9-11 and you saw those big buildings that perhaps you had seen when they were in their uh, structure and they came tumbling down. Here's what happened. Steve is playing chess across at a table, a person across from him, one person sitting on the, the right of him, another person. So it's four of them. Steve has some difficulty with it because these other three people were dead instantly. And Steve, with all of this rock and brick and metal and steel all around him, it was like he was just in a cage, protected. He said, I was still sitting in my chair but it was a cage all around me with debris and metal. Come on, folks, I, I, I hope you never have to see an explosion. But explosions, a nail is a missile. He says, but I'm dropped five floors. I'm still in my chair. There's concrete and metal all around me, but I'm sitting in my chair. I'm dusty, but I'm alive. And he said, it felt like I landed on, and he, I use his expression, a soft pillow. Now, you know you can't do that on your own, don't you? You know you're not no Superman or whoever you have in your Marvel comic book mindset. This is God doing something miraculous. Why? Because when God has given you a dream and you've made a decision, I'm going to follow God. Even if it's a delay and even if you're going through some difficult times, and even I'm going to say this in your walk of faith, even if you feel like you've come to a dead end, you know, all these things start with the letter D. I don't know why God does, does my sermons like this. Everything starts with a letter that starts with a letter. Same letter. Abraham, I want to use Genesis 12 too to kind of put this message into context. Do you know that Abraham is probably feeling like he's come to a dead end, especially when Hagar, he, God tells him, you're going to have to send Hagar away. Well, I have a child now, God. And I have a child with Hagar, but I still don't have a child with Sarah. But you're going to have to send Hagar away. He is your child. But that's not how I am dispensing the blessing. That is not the dream that I gave you. That is not the plan that came from heaven. That's the plan that you devise here on earth. How I many of you know we want God's kingdom, what, to come? We want his will to be what? Done. But it's got to come. It's got to come from heaven. It can't come because you think you're intelligent. This is why I tell people when they're asking me about doing certain activity, doing certain conferences, it's like, what came from heaven? What came from heaven? Don't get upset with me. I, I really have to let you know, God puts me in a halt state. He said, what came from heaven? 
Folks, just because you feel like you're getting results doesn't necessarily mean you're in the will of God. Case in point, so you can get it, biblically speaking. Everybody remember a man in the Bible named Moses? You get good images of Moses, though, when you think about him, right? Do you remember when the people started complaining to Moses, we don't have any water? God speaks from heaven to Moses and said, this is what I want you to do. Strike the rock. Take the rod that you have that you've seen many miracles come as a result of and strike the rock. And what did Moses do? Exactly what God told him to do. He struck the rock. What came forth? Water. How I many of you know, even though you can give people something one time, they still probably are going to complain on another time? And it will come, you realize it's been 40 years that they were in the wilderness. So there come another time when they say, look, we don't have any water. They don't realize all they're doing is going around on a circle. The water's still over there, but they're over here now in a circle. And they say, we don't have no water. Moses is upset. He said, ah, you just seem so ungrateful. You just you, you, can't you think about what God has done? I mean, nobody's thinking about what God has done. At the moment, they're thirsty. At the moment, it's dry and it's hot. And they want some water. So God talks to Moses again. He says, Moses, I want you to take the rod. But this time, I don't want you to strike the rock. Speak to it. Speak to the rock. How I many of you know you're going to have to deal with your anger and get rid of it before you try to do the will of God in your, anybody's life, in your life? But Moses is still angry with the people. And so he sees the rock that God has pointed him to. And what does Moses do? The same thing he did the last time. He took the rock, he took his rod, he struck the rock. And guess what he got? And the natural tendency to think he got no result. He got results. You know why he got results? Because God was intending to bless his people. And he is not going to let you, in whatever little attitude you have at the time, stop him from blessing his people. Right. Moses has an attitude. This is why Moses didn't go into the promised land. Deciding that he would do it his way. Rather than God's way. Say God's way. God. Say it again. God's way. God's Only, way. way. Only way. Say that please. Only, Only way. God's way. That's the only way, guys. God's way. He gave you the dream. You made the decision. You might have a time when there's a delay in what God has said he's going to bring into your life. I'm sure Moses is frustrated. I don't know about you. I've lived more than 40 years now. I'm closer to living double that amount. That's a long time. And you can't get frustrated if people haven't gotten it yet. But the problem is, Moses, you don't have it yet. 
you don't have this revelation that whatever he says to do, you just do it. You don't get stuck with what they did or what they didn't do, what they said or what they didn't say. What did God say? He said, speak to the rock. So get the point that I'm making. Just because you got water doesn't mean that it pleased God. Moses got water the first time doing exactly what God told him to do. Moses got water the second time doing totally opposite of what God told him to do. But God was keeping record. Go back to my original thought. What did heaven say? You can come to me with all kinds of do this, we need to do this, we need to do that. What did heaven say? True leaders understand that whatever is coming, it has to come from heaven. And what comes from heaven is always going to line up with vision. Because why? Without the vision, the people will perish. This is why, after 40 years, the first generation, do you know what happened to the first generation? They all perished in the desert, trying to do things their way, not God's way. It was only Caleb and Joshua, the two who also went in with the, tw uh, the total of 12 spies, and you know what the spies came back and said, we can't get it done. The people are too big. We are like grasshoppers. Minimize themselves. But Caleb and Joshua came back with what the Bible refers to as a good report. What was the good report? God said we can take it. God said we, this is our land. God said go possess it. You know God never told them to go spy it. God told them to go possess it. See sometimes all of our little I don't know, talking papers and what we have researched and what we have done supersedes what did God say? I'm telling you, God is dealing with my heart. You know, next Sunday we'll be making a journey to Israel. And God is just dealing with my heart. These are things that you're going to have to preach when you get to Israel. These are places that you need to go that are not on your itinerary, but they're on God's itinerary. God's not interested in you having a vacation. God is interested in you helping to bring about salvation to the nations. It's all about salvation. Do you know what the desire of God is right now? It is that all men might be saved. And many times he has to put us in remembrance of it. Here's the last D I'll give you. If you were trying to remember what they all were, number one was dream. Number two was decide. Number three was sometimes we have a delay. Number four is sometimes we even have difficulty. Number five was sometimes it looks like you've come to a dead end. And number six was, is this, God is always a God of deliverance. There were people when Jesus was crucified thought it was all over. But they didn't know he's our deliverer.
Whatever the devil meant for evil, God was going to turn it for good. Whatever the devil has meant for evil in your life, some of you have had some difficult days ahead. I don't know. Your week was difficult. Your month was difficult. Some of you can even say to me, Pastor, this year has been difficult. But God is still a deliverer. That's all I want you to know. Walk it out by faith. Pastor, you don't know how much I've had to put up with my spouse. God knows. And he knows how much you can bear. And God is a restorer. God is a healer. God is a reconciler. God is a deliverer. Say deliverance. deliverance. He will deliver you from all evil. He will deliver you from all difficulty. He will deliver you from every delay that has ever happened in your life. He will deliver you from any sickness or any disease. He will deliver you from poverty. He will deliver you from anything and everything that's trying to block you, stop you. Del Do you understand where I'm coming from this morning? But there are stages of your faith. You don't come out walking from the womb. And I give you these references from the Bible. The Bible says all of us started out as something called a milk stage. Moms, did your baby start out with the meat stage? Milk. milk. Christians, you start out with milk. However, every parent will tell you, your baby shouldn't stay on milk. National Geographic freaked me out one time. Because there were a tribe of people that they found, and the children were up to age 16 and still nursing from their mom. It just, I was like, that's, that can't be real. But it was real. And I, the Lord just wanted me to flip it over to something spiritual. There are some of us still want pacifiers. We still are in milk phase, and we stay in milk phase too long. Say it again. I can have as much of God as I want. Please decide how much you want. I want it all. Everything that God has for me, I want it. But I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. Not like Jesus. Nobody can make a sacrifice like that. But you do make a sacrifice. Here's the sacrifice that you make. You present your body as a living sacrifice. Hear my Lord. If you can use anything, you can use me. Amen. Can I ask anybody in here this morning? I'm going to start here in my altar call. You sense a need to rededicate your life? Yesterday was so beautiful. We had a couple... Uh, that were renewing their vows and recommitting to things that they said to each other 20 years ago. It was one of the most beautiful occasions that has ever happened in this church. Yes. And, and the Lord said to me as I was sitting here, and uh, me and one other gentleman was just after everybody's gone, and the Lord caused me to just to see there are a lot of people that need to renew their vow with God. You need to re renew that commitment that you made to God when you said, I would do this, and I will serve this way, and I will be a person of fidelity. I will honor you. Some of you have stopped serving. 
You, you don't serve anywhere. You come and you look at me on occasion on Sunday, on occasion, but you don't serve anymore. And some of us just need to recommit it and say, Lord, I need that energy again. I want to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. I don't want to let difficult days cause me to become lethargic. I don't want whatever circumstances have come my way to have gotten me so distracted that I can't get my eyes on Jesus now. So I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Because after every sermon, I feel like we need to have a talk. Where are you today? Fully persuaded? Sold out? Like Caleb saying, give me this mountain? Or are you almost about to give up? You need a renewal of your strength. You need to reacquaint yourself perhaps with vision. So that you don't perish. And if that's you this morning saying, I want to recommit. I want to renew that relationship that I have with God. How many of you remember what inspired you to receive Christ when you gave your life to him? So if that's you this morning, stand. Just stand where you are. I don't want you to come to the altar. I just want you to stand. And I want to pray with you. You want to rededicate. You want to run and not grow weary. You want to walk and not faint. You want to just see and mount up with wings of eagles and just soar. You realize that at some point, all of us were there. I was there at some point in my life where I just wanted to give up. But God said, there's no give up in me. There's no quit in me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He truly is making you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. He's called you to be more than a conqueror. And so, if you don't mind, you've already did this bold and brave thing of just standing. Just lift your right hand toward heaven. And Lord, we affirm and recommit our lives to you, to be our Lord, to be our Savior. This is the air I breathe. This is my daily bread. Just serving God, loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength. Whatever I do, I want to do it heartily. And I want to do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. I'm not here to be a men pleaser. God, be glorified. Jesus, be magnified. And help me to decrease so that you increase less and less of me and more and more of you. In you, I want to live. In you, I want to move. In you, I want to have my being. And I want to be everything you called me to be, God. 
I want to live in every way that you've called me to live. God, help me to recover anything in my life that the devil stole. Your word says you will redeem the times. Help me, Lord God, to redeem the time. I don't want to waste my days, my minutes, my seconds that you give me. May they all be used to bring honor and glory to your great name. It's in Jesus' name that I make this recommitment. Amen and amen. Remember always what God has done for you. Communion is something God gave us to do just that. Ushers, I need you to move toward communion. Ushers, I need you to move toward communion. Every usher, I need you to move toward communion. You are being served things that we call sacraments which signify that they are supposed to help you to think about things that should be sacred in your life communion is about helping us to remember that we had a God who loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son so that we could be free and the Bible says, whom the Son set free, they became free indeed. No more chains. Sin doesn't control you. Everybody was born into sin. Oftentimes people ask me, what is it that keeps people out of heaven? Never repenting of sin and saying, you know what? Because of Jesus, sin has no more dominion over my life. You were born into it. It wasn't that you made a choice to be a sinner. You're just born into it. And nobody can come out of sin except through the washing and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Communion is designed to remind you that it wasn't works that cleanse you. It wasn't your education. It wasn't a number of different things that people want to assert help them to be successful. You know, oftentimes in this world, especially from the world, people will say, it was my tenacity, or it was my this, or it was my that. My hands got me none of what I have. All because of the blood of Jesus. And the blood is given to us to be graphic, yet symbolic. I don't know about you, whenever I see blood, it speaks to me. If blood is flowing from you, I want to try to help the bleeding stop because it represents life. Life is in the blood. This is why when something happens to someone medically, they're looking and, and, and saying, 
and checking your blood pressure because you know what? Blood is taking oxygen to all the parts of your body. If you didn't know this, blood is what takes all of the waste out of your body. And Jesus truly is giving you life and taking out the waste in your life. So he gave us the blood. I've said this and I'll keep saying it till people get it. If it were possible for me to put a needle in you and extract all of your blood out of you, what would happen to you at that point? You're dead. So where is life? In the blood. What makes your life and my life so blessed is because of the blood of Jesus. We're not talking about the white and the red blood cells and the platelets of your blood. We're talking about the blood of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all that we know as this universe came so that you might have life, have it more abundantly. And that's why the Bible says, don't take this lightly. Everybody sit up, just sit up for just a moment. You know how your teacher says, don't slouch. This is a time that you shouldn't be slouching. This is a time where you should be focusing on, look what the Lord has done. Kim and Wally, thank you for yesterday. And Kim, thank you for that song that she, she came down on a Christian song. I wish more young couples would learn. Keep everything about God. Keep everything, your receptions, your weddings, keep it all about God. Stop getting these worldly DJs who take you down a memory lane that you shouldn't be going down. Get somebody that's going to take you to the heavenly places. This is what Jesus was doing for his disciples because he said, I need to keep your mind stayed on me. I'll keep you in perfect peace. And so these elements, one being this little wafer, very flat, very tasteless. Why this little flat wafer? Does it just fit in the package easy? No. It's all about the first Passover. It's all about the exodus of God's people from Egypt. They had to leave in such a hurry that it had no time for the bread to rise. And it was all flat. Our lives are just flat. You ever heard somebody just, they say it about sports teams sometimes, they say it about musicians sometimes, they came out flat. They weren't able to accomplish much. But they came out in a hurry. They remind them that they came out, though. And they came out because of the blood. Back in that day, when the children were in Israel, I mean Egypt, God was about to move his people into the promise. The promised land. And they had to hurriedly move. Folks, when Christ comes back, it's going to be in a moment. It's going to be in a hurry. 
God wants you to remember that. And he's trying to say, be ready. Be ready. Don't give your attention and your time to things that are going to get you so distracted. There's somebody in here. There's somebody in your past trying to get into your presence. And they are going to adversely affect your future. And I'm just going to warn you by the Spirit of God. Give no place to that lustful spirit that's trying to get you back over into lust. You can't go back and try to hang with the old girlfriend, the old boyfriend. That stuff will kill you. The devil is sitting you up for sure death, sure destruction. Whoever that is, I don't, I don't even want to see your face. God, don't let me see that face. But I just needed to say that before we continued in this because God wants you to do this and be holy as he is holy. So Moses told the people, God is going to protect you. The enemy is going to try to attack you, but God is going to protect you. So he told them, he says, take the blood of a lamb and every one of you you need to smear it over your doorpost. We don't need to do that. We're just going to smear it over our lips. You follow me? He says, because the death angel is going to, everybody say, Passover. Passover. So anytime you hear, see that word Passover, that's where it comes from. If you want to know why Jewish people celebrate Passover, that's where it comes from. And they took the blood of a lamb and they put it over the doorpost because that death angel was going to pass over and wherever there was blood, the death angel couldn't come. The death angel's assignment was to take the firstborn male from every household, even the animals. But wherever the blood was, everybody say Passover. We're getting to you now. We're getting to Jesus. Remember when Jesus appears on the scene, John the Baptist sees him. And he said, behold, what? The Lamb of God. Not the four-legged creature anymore. God was sent his own sacrificial lamb. So that whatever tries to come and destroy your life, it must what? Somebody getting it. Somebody's getting it. It must pass over. And even when everything is seemingly just going chaotic in your life, you should take communion so that you are reminded this too shall pass. This too has to pass over because my house and do you know you are the house now? Your body is the temple. And whatever tries to come and do harm in your house, everybody said, has to what? Jesus said, remember that. And as often as you do this, what we call communion, you're reminding yourself, I have communication with God.
I get to talk with God and God talks with me. And he reminds me, it's well. Yea, though you go through the valley and the shadows of death, no fear. Somebody say, no fear. No fear. Why? God's with me. Communion is reminding us that God is with us. And he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Bible says, lo, he will be with us even to the end of the ages. Bread represents his body. That was pierced for you, pierced for me, pierced for this whole world. And so when we take the bread, we see it now. Jesus is my bread of life. He's my bread of life. Take the bread. Knowing that Jesus is your bread of life. There were times when I used to think I was unworthy to receive this. In the natural, we all are unworthy. But Jesus has made it possible that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So never forego communion when you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and in your life. Say, but I sinned. I did this. I did that. Do you know that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin? All you need to do is to say, Father, forgive me. I was acting the fool. I was doing foolish stuff. Now, God doesn't want you to keep going doing foolish stuff. What he's just wanting you to know is that I'll forgive you. And now I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to put people around you, put things around you to help you to stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm just going to raise up a standard. No weapon that's formed against you is going to be able to prosper. And of course, you know, Jesus told his disciple, this cup represents my blood. Everybody say represents. I don't want you to get it twisted. Every now and then, there are certain religions that tells you it's the actual blood of Jesus Christ. You and I know better than that. This comes from a grape. But it's symbolic of the blood that was shed for the remission of our sin. Remission is a legal term. It means that I was guilty. I deserved the punishment, but I didn't get it. The sin was remitted. Your sins have been remitted. This is the equivalent of a judge saying, the slate is clean, you can go. Case dismissed. The devil is an accuser. The devil is a lawyer on the other side accusing you. Jesus is the judge saying, I've forgiven you. You're free. You're free to go. Let's thank God that we're free. Take the cup together. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet again. Thank you. Some may say this has been a lengthy service, but at the same time, I believe it was a necessary thing that God was doing with us to get our hearts and our minds on Jesus. It's a necessary thing for God to remind us you are going through various stages of faith but you're getting stronger. And I say to you now, in the name of Jesus, stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
live for God. And everything that you do, do it so that you honor and glorify God. Give no place to the devil. Draw near to God. God will draw near to you. And the Bible says he'll give you the power to resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. So we were blessed when we came in. You know what? We're blessed going out. And we're going out with what we just read from Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2, just like Abraham, I blessed you so that you might go out and what? Be a blessing. Go and be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.